When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. It's Thursday night, fellas. That means we're looking into your future with a clairvoyant Thursday with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in on a YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. That way you get notified when we have new content available to you. If you want to just stay up to date with the show and you're on the go, that's fine too. Just download us on your favorite podcast app. That's Chris slurping a big gulp in the background. That's that's what you hear, right? <laughs> right I was moving my microphone. I apologize. <laughs> no, you're good. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like you're like at the bottom of like a movie theater soda. Yeah, just I like, wish. I'm just trying to suck all up the last little drops you could possibly get. <laughs> we got a little bit for everything for you guys here tonight. Of course, we got Brian Scott on the show talk about our injury inquiries to wrap it up for our second half preview for our week 13 and uh well as you can tell we got chris on the show here tonight as well chris how are you doing doing pretty good i'm a little stuffy um definitely on the east coast here our weather went from 60 degrees to about 30 degrees overnight so it's been tons of fun from people who have science issues uh so other than that you know Hopefully, you had an exciting Thursday game. Last Thursday, we actually had some you know, point score. Maybe this Thursday could happen again. It's not too bad. I mean, Bill's up 17-7 to as of this moment, and uh, there has been some back-and-forth action, so can't really complain too much. These are two teams that did have a full week, so it's not like there's a short week for either one of these guys as they did play on Thanksgiving last week, so that probably does help, too. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Um, Again, slowly getting better. Not quite over the hump yet, but hopefully getting there soon. <laughs> 
Well, you two just, you know, stay in your camera zone, stay in your little boxes. Don't be leaking over into mine because yeah. <laughs> I feel good and I want to keep it that way. All right, Brian, let's go ahead and get this show on the road because we got a lot to talk Do about. Injury inquiries. Oh, oh, oh. All right. So first up, I mean, he's not going to play this week. Alan Robinson out for the year. What do you think this means for his career? Because I, I, I was on the impression this might be career threatening. So, yeah, these uh, these fractures are not e- easy to come back from. Um, it's a navicular fracture of the foot, not to be confused with the navicular bone in the wrist, of which there is one as well. Um, both bones, though, wrist and foot, have similar issues in that they often uh, have difficulty healing uh, when fractured. And in elite athletes, usually when they see this, it's almost immediately, let's fix it with surgery, give it the best chance to heal as possible. It sounds like this might have been a stress fracture. This is typically how it occurs. Usually it's like from repetitive stresses, from running on hard surfaces, being a wide receiver, uh, the, the you know playing on turf. I'm sure that's probably caused it. I don't think there was any specific traumatic injury. It's a hard bone to isolate with an injury. It's usually from repetitive type trauma. I, I expect that he'll make a full recovery, um, but his season, unfortunately, is done. Okay, so you do think he'll be back next year? Because some talk being at his age with this injury, some people seem to think maybe otherwise. No, this this isn't like a Liz Frank where there's a joint involved per se. Now, there is a joint there. That bone does articulate with other bones, and it is an important bone that makes up the midfoot. Um, it, it really depends on the type of fracture, the type of fixation, and whether or not the joint was involved. It's hard to say with the information that's out there. If it's a stress fracture type of injury, that's usually the best case scenario because that should heal well and it shouldn't hopefully involve a major component of the joint. So it shouldn't cause any major long-term issues. Um, If it's a traumatic injury or a traumatic fracture to the navicular, that potentially could be more serious. So we'll have to see how this plays out. Hope wishing the best for Allen Robinson, but his season is done. Elijah Mitchell, his Season for fantasy football is basically done. Another MCL sprain. And I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the other knee now, right? I believe so. I believe so. Um, and this one's pretty severe uh, or pretty significant from what they've reported. Um, you know, these tears do occur. Uh, if they happen on the, the femoral side of the bone, basically the upper portion of that ligament tears, uh, most of the times those will heal just fine. Um, they don't typically require surgery. Um, if it had happened down by the tibial side, the lower portion of that ligament where it attaches, those tend to, to need surgery to correct. So the fact that he's not having surgery tells me that it's probably the upper portion, which is more commonly the area of tears. And so, um, you know, that's unfortunately takes a long time to heal, especially if it's a severe sprain. Uh, so they're saying at least six to eight weeks. I do uh, agree with that time frame. Um, the uh, other issue is that he, he may not necessarily be out of the woods either because um, sometimes with this injury, if it's significant enough, you can also get internal structural damage to the knee, like meniscal tears and stuff. Um, I'm guessing that they didn't see that on any MRIs. Um, otherwise, they might have uh, looked at possibly doing arthroscopic knee surgery, although sometimes you can't do it right away if you're waiting for that MCL to heal. So you sometimes have to stage it. So hopefully that's not what's happening. Hopefully this isn't like a staged thing where they're waiting for the MC, MCL to heal and then possibly doing a knee scope. Um, if that's the case, the season's over. If it's just the MCL, they're going to let it heal up. No other structural damage. Six to eight weeks sounds about right. But like you said, for fantasy purposes, 
not good news. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a very talented running back when he's out there on the field, but he can't seemingly go two or three games without picking up some sort of injury. And now both his knees shot. It's just not looking good for Elijah Mitchell. And sticking with the same team, Debo Samuel, he was listed with a hamstring earlier. Today, <laughs> though, he misses practice, and they get, they listed it actually as a quad injury Five. today. Yeah, and I actually saw that report yesterday. Uh, some of the um, outlets were reporting that it was actually a quad injury, not the hamstring. Um so complete opposite side of the thigh, complete opposite muscle group, much stronger muscle uh, made up of four different muscles that make up that that group. Um, usually when the injuries occur, it's more on the inside portion of the quad, just above the knee. It's usually uh, that's where the most commonly uh, stressed muscles are. Um, good news is these usually don't hamper people quite that much, but he was not practicing today. Um, although... Uh, there's a chance that he could still play this weekend. They might just be babying him and taking a cautious. So um, I, I think you're going to have to really pay a close. Actually, I'm sorry. He, I think he was a limited pra- participant today. Um, at least he, he was limited yesterday, but he, he was officially did not practice today. Oh, he did. Okay. So yeah, I, I might've got my days crossed there. I'm sorry. But yeah, um, I mean, maybe they just gave him a rest day after yesterday. I, I don't know. We'll have to keep a close eye on what he was doing uh, tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy G, sounds like he's going to be okay. He did pick up a yeah. knee injury during the game, but they don't seem too concerned. No, no, it doesn't sound like it's anything serious. Uh, didn't have any swelling or pain the following day. Um, was taking full snaps at practice uh, during the week, so it doesn't sound like it's anything. Getting over to the Chargers. Oh, it's our favorite player to talk about, Mike Williams. Still did not practice yet again today, although is making, I guess, progress in the sense of he was out there during warm-ups on the side, whatever that means. Yeah, it probably means he wasn't doing much. Uh, it was probably just out there stretching during warm-ups and then went right back into the training room to get treatment. Like, hey, um, guys, yeah. I'm still here. Yeah, still yeah. Here. yeah basically. <laughs> um, you know, uh, sounds like it's a low ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. And they originally were saying he just aggravated it, but it sounds more and it looks like it's more like a re-injury or, or he was never recovered in the first place. They probably rushed him out there too soon. Right. Great what charges. Would you, would you say Chris got? Like great charges, you know, staff over there. Yeah, they, they seem to have a, they seem to be uh, an ever uh, present topic of conversation in these injury reports they always seem to have major injuries with star players and sometimes they cause injuries to star players <laughs> yeah you talk about firing coaching staffs and wanting better results maybe take a look at the medical, medical staff i don't know i'm, I'm just saying uh, what about jamar chase you expect to make his return what are you looking at of him from a physical standpoint yeah, so, I mean, everything sounds really good. It sounds really promising. So here's the backstory to this, because this is actually quite surprising, because he was being interviewed recently and divulged a lot more information about his hip injury that we hadn't known prior. Sounds like he hyperextended his knee um, in week seven, uh, or I'm sorry, week six during a touchdown uh, score. Um, had hip pain at that time, played through it, just had some soreness over the remaining week, and then ended up playing in week seven as well, but didn't feel right. That's when he went and sought uh, opinions from different medical doctors, found out that he actually had some type of fracture in the hip, a hairline fracture, and I hate that term, What and and that's why he was, he's was he been missing all this time. Um, very concerning injury to hear about. What, what it tells me, though, is he probably had uh, an injury to the acetabulum, which is basically the socket part of the hip. Sometimes you, if the hip gets driven into that bone, you can get a little, little fracture to the pelvic, a portion of the, the hip, the acetabulum. Um, a lot of times you'll see that on an MRI. If it's just a stress fracture, which typically is what a hairline fracture means, then there's usually nothing structural, nothing that's going to cause any long-term issues. 
But my biggest concern when I first heard the reports was that he might have had a labral injury, and you can still have a labrum injury with this type of um, injury to the bone. So, you know, long-term, that's going to be an issue. Um, but it sounds like he's made a good recovery. He's been able to run, participate in pre- limited practices with no pain. The talk is that he's going to be ready for this week, and I hope so. Um, it'll be exciting to see him back out there. He's a good young player. It sounds like he was actually ready to go last week, but he decided he didn't want to risk it long term, and so he decided he would give himself another week. Okay, Chris, isn't this why we just love Brian coming up? Like the way he just went well, through that, I, I feel like I actually understand now. I, I think I do too. And, I, and Brian, you know, real quick, I just had a question on that. You know, when I hear a hip injury, I always get concerned because I think that's one of the major things that I've seen. You know, in athletes' careers, different arenas. So I'm kind of, you know, when you talk about what I'm looking for, for a hairline fracture or something like that, is there something I'm kind of monitoring or is just a hip injury in general? Because I know that's you know, <laughs> something more severe. So the hip, <clears throat> the hip joint is a, is a massive, strong joint deep inside your pelvis surrounded by tremendously strong ligaments and tremendously strong muscles that help support it. For a football player to have a career-ending injury to the hip, it has to be something along the lines of Bo Jackson-type injury where they have a significant dislocation that causes vascular injury, causes the bone to then die, or some type of traumatic fracture. You don't usually see forces high enough in the sport of football to cause stuff like that, although freak things can happen, i.e. Bo Jackson, i.e. Tua Tagovailoa, last uh, his last season in college. Um, he escaped major uh, injury from that, luckily, but those are the things that can really cause severe trauma. The other stuff, like we hear about with Jamar Chase, um, you will sometimes see those things um, with hyperextensions of the knee uh, or tackling where you land on your knee and the, the, the femur or the thigh bone gets driven up into the socket of the hip. So the hip jo- joint encompasses different bones, different parts of the hip joint. Um, but, you know, without them giving specifics, it makes it really difficult to judge the severity, judge how co- the complexity. Um, but now that I hear what he's saying and talking about, it brings to light a couple of things in my uh, knowledge um, that make me a little bit less concerned about his long-term uh, prognosis, although he's still not, you know, really out of the woods. This could be something that comes back to haunt him, um, because anytime you have that kind of hairline fracture, you do run the risk of injuring that labrum, and that's something that uh, players will often kind of deal with. Um, sometimes they do require surgery for that. It's very common to see that in hockey. Hockey players typically deal with those type of hip problems, but that's more from kind of overuse type stuff, not traumatic stuff like we see in the Jamar Chase here example. Um, but yeah, you know, things to look for when you hear hairline fracture, they're usually talking about a stress fracture, um, or a small non-displaced type fracture, which depending on the bone, sometimes those could be really nothing. Um, they can play through them sometimes. Um, but you have to look at the joint that they're talking about. You have to look at the, the actual bone that's involved. They didn't specify. My guess is it was, um, the, the acetabulum part, because if it was any other part of the hip, it would be much more serious. Love it. Love it, Brian. Thank you for breaking all that down. That's actually yep. tremendous. That's really tremendous. Uh, we still got three more guys to talk about. Josh Jacobs, calf issue, limited in practice both days. I'm a little bit surprised that he's even turning in limited practices. I didn't think he's going to practice at all this week. What do you think with, with Josh Jacobs coming off his biggest game yet with the calf issue the whole time? Yeah, I mean, this dude's a, he's a beast. Um, not much is going to slow him down. Uh, I, I think he'll play. Uh, it sounds like it was mild. It sounds like he's been able to, if you, I mean, if you can get through a limited practice session with a calf injury, um, that tells me that A, you're really tough, and B, it's probably not that significant. So uh, it sounds like he's just get, doing what he needs to do to get ready for this weekend. So I think we should see yep. him. Now, the caveat could be that he might be in a snap count, 
that's the only thing I'd be kind of, you know, he wasn't wondering. on snap count last week. I don't know if he's going to be, he had the calf issue pop up on Friday. He's still got 33 carries on Sunday. True. True. <laughs> well, he might not have divulged that he was injured until after the fact. <laughs> Well, no, they, they knew he was. He knew oh, he had did? a calf issue. Yeah, okay. on Friday he came up on the package report. <laughs> oh, I'm there sorry. Lot, there was a lot of talk last weekend. If you missed it, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, you might have. I might have. Yeah. People were like asking, should we even start Josh Jacobs? Was he going to be a snap count going into the game? We weren't sure what to expect, and hopefully you left him in. Uh, Alvin Kamara, he has an abdomen he's been uh, dealing with. What, what do you think he's going on with him? I have, I have no idea what's going on with Alvin Kamara. The <laughs> he did last I heard today, though, so it's yeah, like either do I. That makes all of us. So we all agree <laughs> yeah. on that one. I mean, first he had an illness. Uh, maybe that was what what caused his abdominal issue. Maybe it was a GI thing. Who knows? Uh, maybe it's one of the Saints, the coaching staff. It could be anything right now. Yeah, and, and then today he's like not even on the injury report. So. Right. Go figure. Yeah. Who knows? Your uh, guess Leonard, is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just figured I just throw he punched him in the there. coordinator. Who knows? You know, could something <laughs> maybe he's got a fight. We don't know. It, yeah. It's annoying. He's not getting, um, we know he's not getting the ball regardless. So. Right. Exactly. Well, that, that's the whole point right there. Chris, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I'm, don't worry. I'm going to let you go in a ring because we, we both have Kamara in some leagues. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he had a hit pointer, but he practiced in full today. So I guess he's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I was expecting him back last week. I was actually surprised he didn't come back last week. Uh, now that the door got open to that young rookie there, Rashad White, uh, I don't think there was anything that was going to keep Leonard Fournette out this week. Hold, <laughs> Hold up. I got to get back on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this hit pointer can wait. Uh, I mean, it's nothing. It's just a bruise. So. <laughs> Brian, as always, love having you on, man. I uh, can't wait for next Wednesday when we get you back again. But until then, what do you got going on? Where can we follow you? Yeah, um, on Twitter, most uh, active uh, at host Brian Scott. Injured List Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. InjuredList.com is my website. You can listen to old episodes that probably cover some of these injuries we talked about tonight. Um, and plus uh, some injury, uh, interviews with uh, healthcare professionals and former athletes. And then um, uh, we should have our uh, Inside the Medical Tent article coming out sometime tomorrow. Excellent. Can't wait for that. Check that out on BillyFantasySports.com. Brian, we'll see you next week, man. As always, thank you for coming on. My pleasure, guys. Have a good night. You too. Again, that is at host Brian Scott on social media. Injured List Podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, Chris, it's time for our second half. You got your clairvoyant hat on. Can we see the future? Is the globe in front of you? Do the stars align? That's what we need to know. Our first four matchups we're going to be talking about for this segment. We got the Browns against Houston. A lot of revenge game narratives throughout the league this particular week. It will be interesting to see. We got the Seahawks against the Rams. The Dolphins against San Francisco. Another revenge narrative, multiple narratives in that one going on. And then we got the Kansas City Chiefs against the Cincinnati Bengals. So let's go ahead and hit our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. My two obvious starting quarterbacks, Chris. Shouldn't it be a shocker? Right off the bat, which should be the highest scoring game of the week. Patrick Mahomes at QB3. Joe Burrow coming in for me at QB4. What are your expectations for these two guys? Yeah, I might even go a little higher. I think I even expect more about Joe, I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think since that defense has been you know, quite exposed over the last few weeks, it's got banged up in the secondary. It's got banged up in the linebacker. They didn't, you know, that reader back, reader back last week, but it hasn't really stopped the running over the last three or three, four weeks now. So the Chiefs can kind of move the ball different ways versus you and Patrick Mahomes can have easy fronts to throw against. I like his opportunity to be lighting it up just for everybody. 
And Joe Burrow's got to keep up with that. We've seen him be lighting up with Jamar Chase back and on top of everything. He should be able to kind of light that secondary of the Kansas City as well. So I like both those guys definitely in the top five. I would be even go a little higher. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I love them both. I got, again, I got my three and four. Josh Allen, who is lighting it up right now, I have at one. The only question mark would be Jalen Hurts, but I felt really confident about my top four guys just, like, packed up. Like, they're, they're going to all go off. That, that's what I'm expecting. Felt really good about them uh, this week. Obvious starters at the running back position. Nick Chubb. He's playing Houston. No doubt. Plus, he's Nick Chubb. I mean, that, that also helps, too. But he comes to my RB2 this week. Here's my note for Nick Chubb. He is the only Brown that I think we can fully trust. Not the only Brown we're going to play, but the only Brown we can fully trust. And, Chris, we'll talk more about that later on in the show. Uh, Kenneth Walker, he comes in my RB8. Chris, are you concerned? Like everybody, I, I keep hearing all week how people are they're concerned now about Kenneth Walker because he only had 1.9 yards per carry. And I'm like, oh, no, he's not just rushing off for 100 yards plus every single game, but he still had two touchdowns. So it doesn't really matter because we know this guy's going to score even if it doesn't produce at a big level. Are you, do you have any concerns? I don't because, you know, similar to another rookie running back who's kind of hit the wall the last two weeks in Houston, he's not he's getting those touchdowns as you kind of alluded to, and he's still getting enough touches be valuable for you so between the red zone touches and the valuable touches and you see the big play potential i think this is a guy you're going to continue to put in your lineups you're not worried I mean, saquon barkley has some down games the last couple of weeks you're going to take saquon barkley out of your lineups so right. you need to stop re- overreacting all the time or worry about him not bouncing back at some point this season they had tougher matchups over the past couple of weeks and the one thing i took a, i i was actually more excited about kenneth walker because he's actually been getting more routes run in more key situations as these weeks have gone on we've seen less and less travis homer so now all of a sudden he's becoming a more workhorse all-around back to boot just wait till we cut a couple easier matchups along the way uh christian mccaffrey so this is a guy we got to talk about highlighted him obviously elijah mitchell he's out of the way and they, you could talk about Tevin Coleman and Jordan Mason and Terry Davis Price. None of those guys, even combined, I think are going to have the same role of an Elijah Mitchell. The one thing I do have an annoyance with, not a concern with, but an annoyance with, is the very, very delicate kid gloves that they are treating Christian McCaffrey with. That is more the issue to me than anything else. He looked like he was ready to go back at that game. He was doing squats and lunges, trying to stay loose, and Kyle Shannon's like, eh, let's go to Jordan Mason. Very annoying from a fantasy standpoint. From a football standpoint, the Saints were never threatening to score. So I can kind of understand, like, eh, we don't really need you, need you out there. But it does feel you like, oh, this thing since the first game that he started has been really kind of frustrating. However, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. 
have him as my RB6. That's why he's an obvious starter to me. With no Elijah Mitchell this week, a game that very easily could go back and forth, a game in which they're going to need Christian McCaffrey. This is a big game for both these teams. It's a big-time barometer for where they're at. I think we see McCaffrey get back up to 20 touches this week. That's just me. What do you think? I mean, I think it's quite possible, especially depending on how the kind of game flow is. I agree with you. They're going to kind of use him in the sense of the money times where they want to have him in key situations or if they're down, like they need to kind of you know, utilize him the most. He's ultimately been added for a John Lynch, you know, come on record quite often and said it. He's basically for the playoffs or the Super Bowl, you know, their Super Bowl aspirations. Um, now, for. is that fantasy going to be and what you want to hear? No, but on the flip side, what you're getting still, and, you know, I've talked about this on other shows before, this show, including this show, that we we kind of stop expecting that we're going to get the bell cow back of, you know, yesterday, yesteryear. And getting 15 to 17 touches out of a guy who's explosive in an offense is going to move the ball. The key thing, once again, is the money touches. If he wasn't getting the yards you're hoping for, he's still getting the money touches when it comes to the right zone. So as long as you get those Debo touches people lift off last year, you're happy with what you're going to get from Christian McCaffrey. So just take what you're going to get, keep plugging in your lineups, and stop complaining. Well, the big thing is that 1.9 yards per carry last week. He's better than 1.9 yards per carry. That's going to be his worst efficiency mark of the season. And that has to take into context, too, moving forward. Uh, also, obviously starting Joe Mixon, if he, in fact, clears concussion protocol. It sounds like he's treading in that direction. We'll find out for sure tomorrow. But he's a top five guy if he does. How about my obvious starters at the wide receiver position? So I got Tyree Kill. He's sitting at my wide receiver four. I got Jalen Waddle sitting at my wide receiver eight. Meeting, no, I am not concerned about the San Francisco matchup. It's really weird. They don't give up a lot of fantasy points to quarterbacks. They're number one against the running back. We'll talk about that later in the show. But when it comes to wide receivers, you can take advantage of the San Francisco 49ers. Any concerns or comments on your part for, for Hill and Waddle? Oh, for receivers? Uh, no, I don't have any concerns at all. I think the, you know, the speed and the quickness is something you could absolutely exploit the secondary of the 49ers. They're built to play zone. They're built to kind of push on people and press on people. And when they have a hard time, it's keeping the quicker guys. And then with the secondary kind of banged up the way that it is, I think it's an op- excellent opportunity. And don't forget the coaching staff knows this defense quite well. I'm sure they have a few wrinkles up their sleeve to be able to kind of expose against this defense. I don't worry about two or four ers against the 49ers defense. And then one of the things for me particularly is, you know, I think the 49ers defense is good, but then they're that good against good quarterbacks. So I think the difference is going to be having good quarterbacks with elite playmakers. It's going to be a tough matchup for the secondary. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about two of the in, in the next segment. Uh, T. Higgins, he comes out wide receiver nine. While we have all this talk about Chase, and we'll talk about him a little bit more in depth soon, T. Higgins is the guy that I know you're playing, I know you're healthy, and I know this game is going to be high scoring. So he's an obvious starter for me as well. We move to the tight end position. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, tight end one. That's just like, that's like the most, him and Josh Allen are like the two most boring guys to talk about. Because it's like, yeah, you're number one to your position. Okay, we're good. George Kittle, good, good. I think you can throw, go throw Mahomes in that conversation. I know it's not as been exciting as Josh Allen might look, but Patrick Mahomes is probably one of the more consistent guys, and Josh Allen's been a little bit more down as of late. But as you know, Patrick Mahomes just keeps getting you those yards and his touchdowns, and just keeps does, does it week in week out, and kind of just quietly does it. Similar to Kelsey. Yeah, one one hundred percent. The guy who is interesting though, George Kittle, comes to my tight end three. Playing the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins give up the third most points to tight ends. The last time I called us against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to bet on a game that very well could be high scoring, very well could go back and forth, that Kittle finds the end zone in this very easy matchup once again. And I know it's been hit or miss. I know it's a roller coaster, but you have to roll him out. 
I think you do, but let me ask you a question on that. Now, you know what, Dolphins are going to probably blitz because of what they do. Having said that, are they, you know, they going to let Kittle go out and pass routes to continue to kind of get those yards you're looking for or something you want to roll out? You know, not, say you're probably going to, there's not a whole lot of great options necessarily tight end. We always know that. But it's great, you know, George Kittle is somebody you're kind of feeling confident putting in your lineup versus defense is probably going to bring in the heat most of the, week, most of the game. Yeah, I'm not really too concerned about it. And the other caveat to that is I don't know what kind of health Debo Samuel is necessarily going to be in. I think they might have to lean on George Kittle to be an extra pass catcher more so this week as a result to that as well. Uh, oh, let's go into our lock ins of the week. lock them in It's a lock. We can skip all the way down the wide receivers right, right away. I don't have any lock them in quarterbacks or running backs for these matchups. I do have lock them in wide receivers. Speaking of the 49ers, I'm locking in Brandon Ayuk as a wide receiver 18. As a top 20 guy, he belongs in your lineup. Now, the Debo thing, I got him at wide receiver 22. So he's going to be locked in as a wide receiver too. You have to play him if you have him. But the injury concern, that's what we're going to have to watch. We'll keep you up to date on social media at BellyFMDFF Show. Even if Debo misses, I probably only move Ayuk up a spot or two. I feel very confident about him in that wide receiver 18, mid-level wide receiver two spot for me. What do you what do you say to Brandon Ayuk? What's your confidence level against Miami? I think it's probably the most confident player I'm in, you know, for the 49ers in the sense where I love the matchup. I know you talk about Kittle and that great matchup. But Ayuk's been that guy who's been week in, week out, getting the consistent touches and the consistent yards. You know, Debo being out, I think it affects him at all. It might it doesn't, I don't think he you know, moves him down or up because that's not been his role. Debo is more affected by Christian McCaffrey, I think. Brandon Ayuk's been Jimmy G's guy that he looks for in a passing attack. They've kind of given him that role this entire season. And therefore, I think you know you continue to see that, especially versus secondary that you can exploit. Brandon Ayuk's going to be a guy that I think you're going to rely on most weeks because he's going to give you at least a receiver three, four, and at worst, and probably even more. Yeah, I don't disagree. This is where we get to talk about Jamar Chase. So, yes, I'm locking in Jamar Chase. I'm lo- I actually have him as a wide receiver 10, a low-end wide receiver 1. He's too talented in a game that has too much expectation to think that he's not going to have a good performance. But if there is some concern, obviously, that has to be reflected here with are you definitely going to play your full work of snaps? He hasn't been out there for a month, over a month now. So what can we really expect of Jamar Chase? What are you expecting? I don't know if I expect him to play what people is his full I don't know, reps. But I think he's going to get the majority reps. They were cautious with him. They could have brought him back even more recently than they have. And they tried to make sure that he's going to be healthy. And they've been winning, so there's no reason to kind of just run him out there because they have to. So I think Cincinnati's looking at a situation where he's kind of, you know, they've got their car all revved up. They cleaned him all up. They made sure it's all shiny and new, and now they can kind of let him out there and go. So I think unless he doesn't have any kind of issues or is feeling kind of, you know, tringiness or tightness or anything like that, he'll probably get most of the reps you'd usually get. Maybe you see a couple of different situations where they you know, mix a tight end in there, they go a little more different formations to kind of save some reps here or there for him. But I think for the most part, when he's out there, you know, the key guys, when they're out there, it's not about their reps, it's about how many times they're going to get targeted. That's all you care about. When they're out there, they're going to get the ball. So that's what they're usually going to be out there. He's going to be out there for 15 times probably. So then you'll know, probably half those times he's going to be involved. Well said. That's exactly why he's my wide receiver 10 heading into the week. I know from a fantasy perspective, it's it's annoying when teams are cautious with guys and choose to hold them out for an extra week or two. But the truth is, long term, when they do return, you can actually expect them to be back to them normal selves rather than playing on a limited snap count where you're not really sure what you're going to get and you have to plug them in your lineup. Anyway, like the Mike Williams situation a couple right. weeks ago. Where you like Mike Williams' exactly. Chargers you know, season was on the line. They're trying to push everybody to go. So then you're like, oh, I'll put Mike Williams in and he got screwed. Right, exactly. With Jamar Chase, I don't think that's going to happen to you this week. All right, time for our lookout for. Lookout for. Oh, 
This is where the majority of our players are hiding at for these matchups because there's a lot of a lot of things on both sides that we're going to have to talk about with some of these guys. But first and foremost, the headliner, at least I think the headliner of the week, one of many, Deshaun Watson is back and getting his first game against the Houston Texans. And uh, I hate to burst your guys' bubble, but I have him at QB 17 this week. I do not have him as a top 12, not even sniffing top 12, frankly, First of all, it's going to be his first game in almost two years. So, yes, obviously there's going to be some rust. Second of all, what's been going on against Houston? Oh, I'll tell you. Everybody can run on them and just dominate the game in the second half. No one bothers to throw. That's what we've seen the Dolphins happen to them last week. You get up on these guys, and it's all over because you can run so well on them. Who cares? And when you have Nick Chubb and Kevin Stefanski, uh, my guess is the Browns are still going to dominate with their running game, even with Deshaun Watson back for the first time. So I'm not on the train that you start Deshaun Watson, but Chris, I mean, am I crazy? What do you think? I don't think you're crazy, but I also think that it depends on the situation you're in. Look, you said you don't know if he threatens this just the top 14, but well, many times on the show, you've also pointed out how poor number 14 choice has been. It's been the guy who's getting like 15 points a game for you. So Deshaun Watson having a decent game versus Houston, who's not a good defense, while they're ranked, you know, high pass versus quarterback, they're not giving it, you know, no stopping anybody. So I think the key thing, Sean Watson is it's a good defense to kind of get a good scrimmage in the versus they don't have any pressure. They play soft zones. So I think Deshaun can have a decent game that you if you have him in there, you're not going to hurt yourself. But it isn't somebody that you're, you know, you're going to sit down one of your better options like a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert. But I think, you know, other ways, and you if you're you know playing Kirk Cousins or you're playing uh, Jared Goff or whatever the options you're trying to plug in right now. I mean, why not? I mean, I don't think it's something, like I said, 17 is not a bad number to me, but I think it's what you got, a mid-average guy. But right now, that's about 14, 16 points. I think Deshaun Watson, while I hated what I saw in preseason, what I did like is that he got to practice the last few weeks with the team, and I think that's a lot more than he did in the preseason game. So I think there's a better chance it won't be as ugly. And, Dan, yeah, I'll say, you know, we talk about the, the revenge factor. I think there's going to be a chance for him to get, if, if, if they're up, they're going to give him a chance to get a couple of easy touchdown passes if possible. Yeah, that, that part, I, I don't I don't doubt. They're, if they can give him the ability to kind of twist that dagger in the throat, they might give him that opportunity to do so. I definitely don't discount that. Now, but as I said, I'm not, I'm not saying the ceiling is huge. I'm not, people right. are arguing, like, you, know, you have to have him in there. Like, I'm not arguing that like, he's a top five guy, but I have to trust the means. But a top, you know, 15, but, you know, 10 to 15 has been, who knows what you're getting, actually. You have to no. Five, honestly. <laughs> no, 100%. Look, if you've been holding on to Sean Watson this whole time, I don't blame you for like, okay, well, I want to play him now. I've been, I've been holding him on to for this, for this reason to, to be the guy who takes over for my mess of streaming quarterbacks that I've had to go through up until this point to get a guy that maybe can give me a top 10 quarterback. But I ask you this, the one, one of the big value points of the Sean Watson was running. I don't see him running too much his very first game back. He still needs to get a rapport with these wide receivers. He, it's not like he got to practice that much over his suspension. It wasn't until a couple of weeks ago he was even reinstated enough to be able to practice at all. And he wasn't still taking first-team reps because they were getting ready for games. There's a lot of things that go into this where I don't think we're going to have a big game at Deshaun Watson. I could be wrong. He's a tremendously talented player. If, if, they, if he gets the opportunity to, to take some shots, I think that he will. And I do like the stretch run and how this sets up for the Cleveland Browns and some of their other players as well. But for this week, 
I got to see else what happens. The other part of this, too, is that there's only two teams on by. So there's more options at the quarterback position than we've had in recent weeks as well. And that's also why he wanted to come in for me at QB 17. But not to talk about that. We got Geno Smith. He's not in my top 12 either. He comes in my QB 14 spot. Reason being, I don't think the Rams can move the ball. So I don't think Seattle's really going to push the issue. <laughs> what do you think? No, I tend to agree. And I think that's, you know, what's going to li- definitely limit his ceiling, which it gives, you know, people who are on Kenneth Walker or their lineups, makes it even crazier to you because I think that makes his, you know, his, his ceiling even higher. What you look for with Gino when he has his boom game, so to speak, is when Seattle's defense has been awful and the Seattle's have scored lots of points to come back. And Gino's been pretty good when he's had to do that. But otherwise, you're getting a very solid production out of Geno Smith week in, week out. You're not going to get something that's, you know, super wowing, but I talked about you know, just a moment ago, if you can get those 16 to 18 points, you're pretty happy if you're guaranteed to get them. And Gino is probably, you know, even if there's this matchup, the Rams haven't stopped anybody as of late. I think this team is going to quit more and more. Aaron Donald's not playing this week either. I do think Gino's going to have a chance. And with DK having all his targets and not doing anything last week, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to make sure that, you know, somebody gets off a little bit. His receivers are eating pretty well for them not to score at least a little bit. So I think Gino has a good floor. The ceiling definitely could be limited. No, great. That's that's reflected, I think, in my QB 14 ranking of him. Here's the big one. To attack a Lavoe. So he is my QB 6 on the week. So I am not showing too much concern. There is a little risk here that I do want to point out. If Toronto Armstead can't play, and as of this moment, I don't think he's going to, I do think to attack Lavoe is going to be running for his life going up against Nick Bosa. And that could throw a monkey wrench into everything. We've seen pass rushers come out against quarterbacks and just totally shut things down. There is that risk. Ultimately, like we pointed out, the wide receivers, because these guys can hit these big plays, especially in the yards after the catch, and it sets up well for them to do so in this matchup, I still think you're playing to it. But there is that little bit of risk, and I want you guys to manage that. I may move him down past Lamar Jackson at QB8 if Teron Armside is officially inactive starting tomorrow on BellFantasySports.com. But that I'm still going to have him inside my top nine as a starter. But any concerns on your part? What are you thinking? Oh yeah, it's a very real risk, and I think it's you know especially if you're playing in leagues that turnovers are going to be penalized. You know you might see a fumble or you might see some interceptions because Tua doesn't like getting hit a whole lot. He doesn't get you know getting pounded over and over again isn't going to be fun to any quarterback. Um, so I think that's definitely going to be a risk, and I think this offensive line isn't very good, and both is going to be a terrible matchup for them. The one thing I will say that you're feeling good about in sport, you know, as a fantasy person is that even, as long as he doesn't get hurt again, that's my biggest concern is getting you know, pounded so much he gets hurt. If he doesn't get hurt, third and 17 doesn't hurt you because he's still got to throw. So it's it's going to be, you know, either sack guards aren't going to penalize you as a fantasy owner. It's going to actually add your stats and, and you know, help you with having to. A, so that part I think is more concerning about you know, overall is the offense move flowing and scoring big touchdowns. Maybe not, but you're still going to have a good floor with Tua because he's still got to throw the ball when you know, get sacked. Second 17, sacked again, third 24. It doesn't matter. You got to throw it again, throw it again. So right. as loose, those receivers boom sometimes. No, absolutely. And on the flip side, this this game's so weird. I can't wait to talk about it with, with Chaz tomorrow when we talk about betting this game. But I see two very different outcomes for this game. I either see a back-and-forth, high-scoring matchup. It's going to be ugly. Or, or I can see it just be completely ugly. And like, I, just, I can see it going either direction. I do have Jimmy G in my QB 11. I think two touchdowns is a very safe bet for his standard. And if this game does go back and forth like it could, then we might see actually get close to 300 yards and have one of those Jimmy G games where he sneakily sneaks himself into 
those top 12 quarterbacks. And that's where I kind of have him at right now. You can consider him there. Uh, but let's move on to our lookout for running back. So Damian Pierce comes in my RB 18. It has been pretty, but Cleveland Browns give up the fourth most points to running backs. You have to play Damian Pierce as a top 20 option, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're still playing him. It's just you're very concerned right now that this offense has become so exposed that what can you, you know, you can even well, bank can on we, getting I can't believe it. Can we go back to Davis Mills? Like the, can, the Kyle Allen thing was just like utterly atrocious. It was, but for Damian Pierce owners, the, the week before wasn't that great with Davis Mills either. The problem is, is your offense got really predictable and you can only do certain things after, you know, five weeks of handing the ball up the middle to the one guy, same guy over and over again. It catches up to you eventually. It's caught up to the Texans and they haven't changed their game plan. They won't change their game plan. They'll continue to do, you know, Pierce will get a chance to kind of break one. Your hope just through attrition, like you said, you know, you're going to kick the ball up because Cleveland can't tackle anybody. My only concern to Pierce owners would be it was like last week where you just get destroyed so bad again that they don't even try to, you know, they kind of throw a wet flag and start, you know, throwing Rex Burkhardt out. But he's got a concussion this week, so even that shouldn't hurt you. No, I, I agree. Uh, another guy to look out for, Isaiah Pacheco. Now, he's sitting on my RB26 right now. I may move him up a couple of spots, not too high, but maybe a couple of spots, depending upon what's going on with Jeremy Kidding. You know, I forgot to bring this up with Brian Scott, but he has a practice the last two days with a hamstring injury. It's something he's been dealing with, but he's never really missed practice before. So I was suggesting it may have been re-aggravated and be a little bit worse now than what it was previously. Now, while Pacheco is still not going to do anything in the passing game, I don't really care about that. It would guarantee, I think, his involvement at the goal line and again, it could have a lot of scoring opportunities. So that's why I may bump him up to RB24. But Chris, two things. What are your thoughts on Pacheco this week? But also, the signing of Melvin Gordon, what does that do in your mind for the rest of the season? Yeah, so I'm probably not one of the people that ask about Pacheco. I'm not a big fan in general. I think the Chiefs situation is kind of being schematically created. People are just kind of biting at whatever they're doing in that, you know, the current trend. I don't know if he's going to be the guy throughout the season. I, what I see is a guy they use primarily for early downs. They brought him in the last three weeks. He's been decent. He hasn't been like wowing by anybody. It's just means Ronald Jones got his first snaps last week. What I saw immediately was that he was actually throwing a ball a couple of times where I haven't really seen Pacheco get that. So what I would be more concerned is that Melvin Gordon signing, Ronald Jones is signing. It's kind of signs that Pacheco maybe isn't the guy because McKinnon, if he is hurt, where I don't think, as you pointed out, I think it's going to help his passing, you know, usage, but it doesn't help. If it doesn't help you, then you're not going to get the carries. As much like Ronald Jones is, in my opinion, more talented than you. Then what happens if Melvin Gordon starts entering the equation too? I'm more worried about Pacheco than me not necessarily this week, but the long term, the Melvin Gordon thing, you know, in general, I think this is more kind of gearing for the playoffs. I don't know if you're going to want to run a young uh, seventh rounder out there for your you know, pass protecting for your franchise quarterback in the playoffs. So I think this is kind of something that's working in the regular season right now. They're kind of rotting it as they can. But I don't know if it's going to be something with Melvin Gordon signing. Or you know, Melvin Gordon might not be anything because we also see those Lavian Bell, Josh Gordon go down the list of Chiefs. Right. But it's just something to kind of keep monitoring. Then the big part, bigger part for me was the Ronald Jones thing. They never got rid of him. And they, when I first first game he plays, you know, as of, as of late, he gets probably he gets more involved than, in multiple ways than Checo had been. I don't know how involved he was. He only had four snaps. Well, then, Ronald Jones only had four snaps last week, so I don't know how involved uh, he, he really was. But he was out there on the field. They didn't get rid of him. He is a factor. I think for me, the Melvin Gordon situation, it's not, it's not nothing. 
It's not nothing. But it's not necessarily something either. Kind of like falls in between. I, first of all, I don't know what Melvin Gordon has left. You can't trust with the fumble issues. He wasn't able to correct that. And with Pacheco, I don't think he's the guy who can just run away with his job necessarily. But I think getting him 22 carries last week is a, is at least a sign in the right direction of they're trusting him more and more and have consistently trusted him more and more as the weeks have gone on. He's never going to be a factor in the passing game. So you have to bank on these touchdowns coming, and that's that's part of the issue. But for now, for this week, I have confidence playing him at least as a flex play. Rest of season, I'm not overly concerned about Melvin Gordon, but we'll have to see how this whole thing breaks down. It is interesting to keep your eye on as these snap counts go, for sure. Uh did you have anything you want to rebuttal? We want to move on to the wide receivers. No, I, I, we're just going to trust Andy Reid, you know, running the ball, and that's the volume. Running the volume, volume from Andy Reid coaching staff should be something to trust in a sense. I, I think that, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't know the Ronald Jones' touches. I must mess that up. But I do think that's something I'm concerned about. Pacheco hasn't really done anything to run away from this job, and that's something I think that you continue to entertain opportunities for somebody to do so. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 100%. Let's move on to our wide receivers. So we got Amari Cooper. We got Donovan Peoples, Jones. And, you know, what what are we expecting with these guys? Deshaun Watson coming back. Obviously, that hinders it. Look, Amari Cooper, you got to play him no matter what. I mean, this guy has been too good for most of the season. He's usually been a low-end wide receiver one. I still have at wide receiver 10 heading into this matchup. Donovan Peoples, Jones, I have him all the way down at wide receiver 34. Still a flex consideration. I do like him quite a bit. I keep, I kept saying it. I said he could wind up being the Will Fuller of this offense if Deshaun Watson gets going for the fantasy playoff run. I'm not ready to put all my eggs in that basket this week, though. So do you have confidence in these two guys? Probably more so talk about Donald Peoples-Jones. Will you play him in your lineup or no? If I had you know, a better option, I might not. But I think there's limited options, especially in that receiver three, if you're playing three receiver leagues and you know playing the PPR leagues. Donald Peoples-Jones has been very consistent. And while he's not been Amari Cooper as a receiver one, he's not far behind from how he gets targeted and how he gets used. And I think one of the things that you're going to see is you don't know who Deshaun Watson's here is going to be necessarily. We don't know who he's looked good with the practice. We don't know who he's kind of you know flowed with. But we do know that the secondary that they're playing doesn't have Stingley. It's not very good. And we saw last week you could definitely expose it, you know, if you want to attack it in the passing game. So I think when it comes to Donald Fields Jones, I think he's a bad option, especially with Njoku out being, you know, being injured again this week. I've been more concerned if Njoku was back because he's not going to probably play. Donald Peel Jones actually, to me, is a decent floor because I think he's going to be one of the guys who probably a second pass catcher. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see. Uh, Chris, a quick correction. He had four carries, not four snaps, but he only had 11 snaps uh, and didn't get most of those snaps until Jerry McKinnon got banked up. So he was definitely, he was on the field more than just four snaps. It was 11 snaps, but only four carries. 
still not really something I find that significant. Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, is that is that enough for you to feel like that's significant enough? No, I, I wasn't. I I, I might have messed her thing. I thought it might have been the week before. I don't. Maybe it was the week before I was looking at. I know that he had been more involved. That was a ten carry game. He had ten carries, thirty five yards. I thought it was something along those lines. Um, and that he had something. Like he he was kind of more involved. And Pacheco had the sixteen carry. I think it was like ninety something yards, and then had twenty two touches last week. Um, but hasn't really been highly efficient. And people, I I, I found it kind of interesting because I know if Dave Montgomery had the same numbers. I'd be hearing all day, every day about how inefficient he is, but then because it's Pacheco, it's like it's it's great. I'm not saying you're saying that, but so <laughs> no, 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 not not at all. I got I got to look, I got I got to see this real quick though, because I don't remember Ronald Jones ever getting ten. No, because he he didn't play this this past game was his first game he's ever even been active so far this season. Maybe it was ten touches. I'm I'm sorry, I might have been confused. I had I had, I had also read something about the Ronald Jones's usage as well too, about the kind of the inside thing that they think he may has a, a kind of opportunity to get the job, but I apologize. Okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure we were, we were clear on what was going on there. Uh, let's move on to uh, the wide receivers for Seattle. So we did say, look, I don't know if Seattle will definitely push the issue. I don't know if the Rams will force them to push the issue. But nonetheless, I think you have to continue to play Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf as mid-level wide receiver twos. I got Lockett at wide receiver 14, Metcalf at wide receiver 16. It only takes one play with these guys. And they've been too good not to have in your lineups and lock them in as top 20 plays. But there is that little bit of risk that maybe Seattle just doesn't have to push the ball. And this winds being a Kenneth Walker game and a defensive game. And they just, they kind of do what Kansas City did, which is win by like 20 to 10 and call it a day. The difference is they feature two receivers every week on the Kansas City and the same two receivers every week. And those same two receivers, whether the game's been a blowout or close, have been around the range you're talking about. They're going to be productive. They're going to throw for about 200 yards regardless. And guess who gets most of those 200 yards? Those two receivers. So that's to me the kind of thing to look at look at for me when it comes to the consistency of Seattle's receivers. I'm gonna lock him in. Tyler Lockett's been great, you know, compared to what yes. that within the past. Um so and he's actually been really connected with Gino really well. So for me myself, I like I said, I looked at DK's targets last week and couldn't believe he didn't do anything with them. But if you're having DK Metcalf being able to involve and Tyler Lockett having explosive down the field and being consistent, I'm riding both those receivers again and then play woods fall off. Yeah, 15 targets for DK Metcalf last last week. That was I don't know if I've ever seen him get that many targets before uh, in a single game. Another guy I got to look out for is Van Jefferson. Now, it may not sound like a lot, but there's a huge difference in my ranking. And right now I'm ranking as if John Wolford's going to be the starting quarterback. If it's Bryce Perkins, he may fall off my top 36 board altogether. And yes, while they're both the backup quarterbacks, it is that big of a difference when it comes to actually passing and getting these receivers the ball. I know Van Jefferson eventually scored last week. It was more of a fluke at the end of the game than anything else of him actually being involved throughout the game or Rams offense doing anything throughout the game. But Van Jefferson's a little bit interesting to me. Allen Robinson's going to be out. Somebody has to catch the ball. Somebody's going to do something. They're going to be at a negative game script. That's almost a guarantee. So assuming John Walford is the starting quarterback, Chris, where are you at with me having Van Jefferson at wide receiver 27? Where would you have him? I mean, I think it's not a bad idea. It's a little higher than I'd probably you know, be willing to leap because Sean McVay hasn't done anything that seems to make sense yet. But what would make sense is that he would get the – because he's on a contract here coming up, you would try to see because he can he handle being the guy and give him the Cooper Cup role. We see how the Cooper Cup role gets all kinds of guys volume and all kinds of guys open. So I think if he gets that role – and he's, of course, he's not going to be Cooper Cup as productive as you know right. he is, but you know the junior version of that's still going to get you six to eight catches, 
and, you know, 60 to 80 yards, and we have and probably the, the primary red zone option every you know, week in, week out. Not a bad thing to have. So I think Van Jefferson has the most opportunity. I just worry because we see people like Ben Skronik out there, and we see all kinds of other guys, you know, throughout the time. So I never quite trust McVay to do the smart things right now, playmaking-wise, but it would be smart as a franchise. Take a look at what you have for the future because it definitely seems to right, they're waving the white flag right this season. Um, and you can still use your playbook. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm banking on, too. I, I said it from the get-go. I said, look, Van Jefferson is going to have to be the Cooper Cup of this offense. And as far as where he's running his routes, that part has been true. I reminded people that he only played the Brandon Cooks role that one year because they had nobody else who had the ability to do so, and that was a big reason why. Uh, how about Juju? Juju comes in at wide receiver 26 for me, and I am definitely going to push the idea that Juju should be at least in your lineup as a flex play this week. This is the highest over-under game of the week. When points have to be scored, somebody else besides Travis Kelsey will catch the ball. That person, for the most part, has been Juju Smith-Schuster this season. The last two weeks have been disappointing, yes, but the first game, coming off the concussion injury, didn't play his full plethora of snaps. And then last week, dealing with an illness. We, we've seen guys like Devontae Adams have bad games because they're sick. And I, this illness thing, by the way, is going around. This is either a really bad flu or COVID going around. They're just not calling it that because everybody seems to have an illness right now, and they're missing games as a result to it. And I think that does, and if it's that severe, I think that truly does affect you more so than just like a normal cold would. And I think that's why we're seeing some player performances suffer as a result to that. He should be 100% ready to go. He's been practicing in full off the injury report altogether. And again, I should have high scoring. I like Juju Smith-Schuster in your lineups this week. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, as you kind of alluded to, one of the guys who's more consistent, I'm not going to go overly consistent, but more consistent as that second receiver of the Chiefs. You have seen Sky Moore become more involved as of late. You still Justin wants to have a little bit of opportunity, but still doesn't really get you know, targeted. Um, so Juju seems to have that kind of role fixated that he can kind of be the guy they move around as the other chess piece outside of Kelsey. And in the matchup, as you alluded to, it should be a high-scoring game. And I keep talking about secondary, you know, this defense for Cincinnati. People might not remember Cincinnati's defense was really good for a while. It has not been as of late. So they're not the same secondary. Juju has a nice sweet matchup. People are going to pay a lot of attention to Travis Kelsey. So there's you know, safeties that are good, like Gates and stuff like that. They can't pay attention to Juju either. It's a really good matchup for him. Agreed, agreed. Uh, look out for David Njoku, but not for the reasons that I was thinking of. It's going to be now because we don't know if he's actually going to play because he hasn't practiced the last two days picking up a new injury. So I'll have to watch that. And that kind of goes out the window with anything else we were going to say. Uh, Hayden Hurst, though. So Hayden Hurst comes in for me at tight end nine. And Chris, I want to, I want to, I want I did this with Danielle. So I want to do this with you. Look at this graphic. Once you get past the top six guys, who do you want to reply? <laughs> like I have Gerald Everett at seven. I got Moreau at eight. I got Hurst at nine. I don't feel good about any guys that are supposed to be mid-level tight end ones in my rankings. It's all crapshoot of who's going to score. I first thought to myself, okay, Jamar Chase is back. Do I really want to have Hayden Hurst as high? But the fact is this, even in games where Chase has played and both Chase and Higgins been on the field, Hurst has acted as that third pass catching option, not Tyler Boyd. And I'm just going to go in on a tight end that I know should be a part of high scoring game and go with that game script because everybody else after that point is the same. So what do you think? I like the logic. So I'm going to give you a little bit of just, you know, my feeling gut thing more so. And then maybe it's going to be completely wrong, but I'm going to go with that. I like the Hayden Hurst call on this because of the read calling him out, um, you know, and people might not know the safety for the charge of uh, safety for the chiefs, uh, the chiefs was trying to, you know, basically make her seem like he's like the weak link on, on the offense. And Joe Burrow to me is a kind of quarterback who will make sure he kind of gets you a chance. If he can get you a chance to look good. 
That's part of why people love him and they love his swag about him and the team follow, they follow him in the way. I think Hayden Hurst, as you alluded to, has been involved in the matter of kind of who's been out there on the field. What's, you know, having the extra little bit of motivation to kind of shine, show up this guy and kind of make him pay for it. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hayden Hurst get a couple extra looks in the red zone area. Yeah, uh, one one hundred one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, let's go with our be cautious of for these this group. Finally, be cautious of. All right, so the guy I'm highlighting to be cautious of actually it's only two guys on my list for this for these matchups, and that's the running backs for Miami. San Francisco is the number one defense, and they're not just the number one defense against a running back. They're the number one, and then there's a gap until you get the rest of the teams. That's how stingy it's been for fantasy-wise for running backs. I know Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert have these revenge game narratives in this week. If Teron Armstead is not out there blocking, I don't see him getting much headway. I do have Wilson at RB33. That's more a reflection of I expect him to be the one to get the goal line carry if that opportunity presents itself. So I'm giving him the puncher's chance to score. But I really don't want to play either one of these guys. If I can help it, do you have more confidence than I do? I might like the floor. I don't have more confidence than you do. I will make the floor of one of those players that may be your preference. I'd probably go with Jeff Wilson Jr. because he seems to be more healthy right now. And probably be more opportunity to be involved in the passing attack. I do think with the 49ers, because of the, the defenses they play and, and their tough matchups they're going to have, or if they get a lot of underneath stuff. So two can kind of dink and dunk their, to the running backs. You're not going to have a lot of maybe running back running plays. Well, the Armstrong's out there, not to me, doesn't affect the running game. They can't play. They can't run block for shit anyway. But what they're going to be able to do you know, with Armstead out there is pass protect a little bit longer. If they can't do that, I mean, more shorter passes, which means the running back can be a little bit more involved. They don't get a whole lot of yards, maybe. But I do think your PPR, you know, full point PPR, you're looking at the options of Jeff Wilson, maybe. And then, like I said, just I like there's a little bit of a floor there because if you think you're going to be able to move the ball, they're going to have to play a lot of high safeties versus you know two receivers. Yeah, 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 I like the analysis. Let's take a quick break. We come back on the other side. We got three more games to talk about in today's show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. 
We're looking into our crystal balls. We're seeing the stars align to bring you a great clairvoyant Thursday episode here with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, thank you for tuning in on your YouTube channel. Subscribe if you have not done so already. And you can stay up to date with the show when you're on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to give us that five-star review. It helps us out a lot. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my Thursday co-host, Mr. Christopher Dowhauer. And Chris, uh, I actually, I have to say this, man, regardless of where you are in your fantasy places, you know, whether you're in the playoff hunt or in first or out of it, whatever the case may be, I'm really excited about this week of football. There's a lot of good matchups on tap, don't you think? Yeah, I'm hopeful. Um, after watching a lot of bad football, I'll be honest, the last, you know, for a lot of weeks now, um, I like to see kind of it pick up, especially as we kind of get closer to the playoff time. It's more exciting for people who are paying fantasy and you're getting on a stretch, but also for the real NFL, you start to see those teams kind of battle for those, but now seven playoff spots. Um, yeah. So you're going to see some teams start separating a little bit, maybe, but hopefully you'll start seeing some teams show better, show out better. And it gets more exciting when those games start becoming, you know, primetime games. And then on top of it, as you talked about this week, a lot of revenge games that are going to be on. Well, here's the other thing too. And, and Chris, we might have to make a note of this. Apparently it takes till week 10 now for offensive lines to start being able to build chemistry and be able to block. And I, I think we've seen, we've seen an uptick since week 10. And a big part of that is because of the offensive line. So hopefully that's not going to be, it doesn't take that long every year for the round the league, but uh, something to kind of keep a note well, of. I think I'll, I'll add one more caveat to that real quick. Dan. I also understand it just took the lead this long to figure out how to run against the cover three shell. That's why they were learning how to pass with the run block <laughs> during this first 10 weeks. Uh, that's, Sad but true. Sad but true. All right, so we got three matchups we're talking about in this segment. Uh, we got the Chargers against the Raiders, the Colts against the Cowboys, and the Saints against the Bucks on Monday night football. So I'm not really looking forward to that Monday night game too much, but there's fancy things we will have to talk about. So let's go ahead and hit our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. I said it last week or two weeks ago. Now I'll say it again. As long as he has at least a Keenan Allen or a Mike Williams, he will have Keenan Allen this week. Justin Herbert is a QB one. Now we add in the Raiders matchup on top of it. A game that sneakily could be a high scoring matchup. Uh, Justin Herbert's a top five quarterback for me this week. Do you have any concerns about that? No, if you want to put your graphic back up, I mean, if you look at the quarterbacks, you, have, you know, look at your top 10 quarterbacks. You say number one. So if you number one, after number mm, six or seven, what do you really want to have on your lineup? So I think Justin Herbert's definitely going to be your top five. I like it. Austin Eckler, my RB1. Shocker. Especially especially your full-point PPR right now. The guy's catching, like, double-digit balls every single game. And then Josh Jacobs comes in my RB3. More just a reflection of he is, he is dealing with a calf issue. I, I know it didn't hinder him at all against last last week, but there is something there, and – but it is a Chargers again, and I think both these running backs are going to be awesome. Well, to clarify, it did hinder him because they were saying after the game he was limping around the locker room after he was very excited to play. Yeah, he he was like, I'm, that I'm, 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 I'm fine. I'm great. <laughs> well, you know, drugs can help a lot for those kinds of things. They have some <laughs> miracle things they can kind of do for game day for you. So it's all about kind of being out there. And I was going to comment earlier, you know, when we had Brian on talking about some of the injuries about the Raiders and having hope with Josh, you know, Josh Jacobs and kind of what he did being limited. 
I always want to remind people, this is from the Patriot tree. So you have to practice to play basically. And being limited in, in Patriot world could be you sat on the sideline, you, you folded a towel. They, they, they'll do anything just to kind of stretch what they need to stretch. So I don't really think Josh Jacobs was necessarily exerting himself. But as you're kind of alluding to, I'm not worried about having him around because he's going to play and he's going to play. He's going to get the ball. Yeah, 100%. That much was proven. And uh, uh, guess what? If he's going to play, he's also going to get the ball. That also pertains to Devontae Adams, who, for the first time this season, I think, is in my wide receiver one overall heading into the week. Uh, again, expecting a big scoring game with not a lot of defense <laughs> for this matchup. And he's been terrific. What about uh, what about CeeDee Lamb? So he comes to my wide receiver eight. You're obviously starting him. And I, I was going to save this note for when we talk about Dak Prescott in a little bit and why I'm actually pretty low on Dak Prescott this week. But he hasn't thrown for more than 30 attempts other than once so far since he's been back in week seven. I think that is affecting a little bit the volume that's heading C.D. Lamb's way. And if they get in games like they are in this week against the Colts where they can just kind of run it and play defense, they'll do that. And that's kind of what we've seen so far this season. So you have any concerns about C.D. Lamb? I mean, obviously you're playing him. I still have him as a wide receiver one, but... Any concerns about him? I feel a little better. From what I understand, Moore's banged up and might not be playing uh, for the Colts. They're, 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 you know, there's their slot corner who's got a lot better this year. It's been one of the yeah. primetime slot corners as of late. Um, so he could be out. And I think that would be huge for CD. And I do think there's going to be a little bit more passing attack just because I do think, you know, you talk about your 49ers defense, are very good against the running back position. The Colts have been pretty good too. And if you look at their defense, no, it hasn't had a shot the entire season for the most part and still has been really good. They tackle. So I don't know if you're going to run all over any. You're going to run all over the Colts. I think you're going to throw the balls, you know, somewhat. And CD Lamb's still the best pass catcher. What I think it's hurt CD Lamb, you know, more so is that because of the return of, of of Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz, some of the targets were just going to just CD Lamb when Cooper Cup was the quarterback, or Cooper Rush was always the quarterback, aren't going to him just him now. Dak's the quarterback, and as you kind of alluded to, you don't have a high volume. That is a little bit concerning, but still, CD Lamb's still the number one guy who eats this passing attack. So I think whereas the Colts team. It hasn't really, you know, stopped any more receivers. I think it's a good play. You can still put out there. Let's go to our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. Speaking of the Colts, uh, Jonathan Taylor is a lock them in for me. Now, he's still RB11. He's actually outside my top 10 this week. It's going up against the Dallas Cowboys. And it's also a reflection of, even though Naeem Hines is not there anymore, he's still not getting targeted the way I thought he would. I thought he'd be a little bit more involved in the passing game. He's really only looking at, like, four targets a game since Naeem Hines has left. Now, he's running a lot better, and they've identified themselves as Jonathan Taylor gets the ball, and he's been getting in the end zone. And I'm not, Obviously, I'm not really worried about him. I got him in RB11. But against the Dallas Cowboys, who are a better defense, could dominate that line of scrimmage. It takes a little bit off the ceiling for me. I'm torn on this, because I'm going to go you know, the other way, and it is Dallas's defense, who you can run right at and right over. So they don't stop the run well at all. And they haven't stopped the run that well at all. So it's a defense you can definitely attack them that style. Now, can they get a pass rush and cause turnovers and get Matt Ryan all kinds of headaches? Absolutely, which could get the game out of this flow, as you're kind of alluding to. John Taylor doesn't get involved. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I don't know if they can kind of face him out in this offense, though, because right now where they're playing, 
And and I, I you know, I, I still go with the Jets Saturday hire, but I had to call the offensive coordinator this past week. Um, I don't know if you're still trying to call like high school plays you're calling, but all you did for your wrinkle was you did all the Paris Campbell routes and had the tight end run them this week. And um, that was all Wood did. You guys want to run, go back and watch the tape, look at the Paris yeah. Campbell routes and look at Wood did. Same routes. Nine targets. So unless <laughs> they're going to have Jonathan Taylor run those routes too, which could happen, Dan, it could happen. Then I don't know if Jonathan Taylor going to involve that much in the passing attack, but so it does limit his ceiling, I think. But I think he's still have a good floor because he's going to get involved. This is the Colts offense in, in, for the most part. So I think he's meant to be there out there for the most part. Yeah, like I said, still a low in RB1, just not inside my top 10 this week. That's all. Uh, moving on to lock him in wide receivers. So you're locking in Keenan Allen. That goes without saying at this point. He's back. He's fully healthy. Great. Terrific. I'm also locking in Chris Godwin. Is Godwin fully back? I feel like he might be. I feel like we might be right now having wide receiver 17. But I might be one really good performance away from like, okay, you're officially back inside my top 12 like you used to be every single week because Mike Evans has disappeared and Chris Godwin looks healthy and Tom Brady has no pass rush, so he's thinking it down. That's just feeding Chris Godwin even more. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll get to Mike Evans said it for a second. The Chris Godwin <laughs> is definitely back. Um, and I think that was already the case going into last week. Now, you saw it kind of reaffirmed in a sense, but he had been getting healthier that bye week was huge for him. Yeah, and I think that was where he came back and he looks fresh and looks good. Now, the Mike Evans part, that's been the last six weeks that yeah. he hasn't done anything. So it was not, you know, coincide with Chris Godwin all of a sudden being better. It's that Tom Brady seemed to hype Mike, hate Mike Evans for some reason. I'm not really sure what it is. And the guy that seems to kind of benefit from that hatred is when Julio, Chris Godwin is going to eat regardless. The only concern I would have for him is Russell Gates actually did practice this week. And somehow he may get involved in the you know slot position. He shouldn't be. So I think it should be still be Godwin's offense. But I think Chris Godwin's definitely a guy that you know, top seventeen. I'd have him probably higher. And I think by you know by the end of the year, we're definitely gonna have this guy in the top five, top ten week in week out because it's coming. Yeah, I I one hundred percent. He's looked fantastic and looking like himself again. Which and is Brady just can't, Brady can't see outside the hashes. So no. It's great to see. Speaking of Mike Evans, he was in the next segment, but we'll just mention him now. He is my wide receiver 21, so technically still low in wide receiver two. That's just based on talent. But if Lattimore is going to be back in the way Brady has treated him, if you want to go a different route, I can't tell you not to bench Mike Evans at this point, as you alluded to. Yeah, hasn't scored a touchdown since seven weeks now. Hasn't had a 100-yard game, I think, since week two. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, is in his contract year next year. This team could be moving on possibly from him at some point sooner or later. And like I said, I don't know what happened with Tom Brady. Now, the only thing I am very happy about is that Todd Bowles did call this out this past week and was like, yeah, these guys got to get on the same page. Obviously, something's wrong. And like, yeah, thank you. Somebody called it out finally. So something hopefully will be addressed. I don't know if it could be fixed in a week or not, but I do think Mike Evans is a guy that talent-wise, you wouldn't have your lineups, but production-wise, it's been tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Olave, going back on the other side, I don't expect a big ceiling out of him. And the reason why, unfortunately, is because it's a Monday night game. And, um, well, we know Andy Dalton's not going to show up. So it's kind of hard to have a big game as a wide receiver if your quarterback uh, can't get you the ball. But he's been targeted so much. The Jarvis Landry thing is, is not a factor whatsoever. Olave usually tries to find a way to get it done, at least give you a floor. I'm still going to play him as a top 20 wide receiver this week. And what should be a negative game script against the bucks. I would, I would imagine. What do you, are you more concerned than I am? No, not at all. I think I'm actually more encouraged than you are. This is the bucks are playing. The secondary has not been good. Has banged up yet again. 
um, and a team that you could definitely attack down the field. So I think this is an opportunity for yeah, it's prime time and Andy, but as long as he can get the button you know, to a buck fifty, let's say, then I'm you know, then I'm feeling good about the receiver what he can do. So I think you know this is something a situation that I definitely want to have Chris Olave because he is the offense. They don't throw it to anybody else. They don't give it to Camara. They don't give it to you know anybody else. So Chris Olave has to be the guy. One hundred percent agreed. Uh, lock him in tight ends. I say that loosely in this case. Gerald Everett, tight end seven. He's playing the Raiders. No Mike Williams. Uh, he has to be inside my top ten, and that's that's really the best analysis I can give you because it's it's not a great feeling. <laughs> so can I just kill two versus one? Because I don't know if we're going to get to this guy, but I'm just going to say either one of these tight ends on either side are probably going to be options because they're just you know who they're playing. Just flip a coin for whoever in there because that doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then also locking in Dalton Schultz. And this I do feel better about. Since Dak Prescott has returned in week seven, he's been the tight end six during that time frame. With Prescott back, Schultz can be confidently played. And I had him as a tight end six actually again this week. Well, I like how the news coming out just a connection with Dak Prescott, which we knew what we've kind of seen before, but he's getting healthier. And I'm hearing more things around, you know, Cowboy Camp and also from the coaching staff. That he's looking better and healthier, looking look back to himself. So I think it's going to be key. He can kind of get some more production as well. And he's actually getting in the past few weeks. All right. Let's get to our lookout for. Lookout for. So I felt a little weird about this one. Derek Carr came in for me at QB 13 and I'm a little bit worried about being too low on him. And I might look for reasons to move him up. Let's see if you can help me out. Over the past month, he's been the QB five. So Derek Carr has kind of turned a corner a little bit and they've, what he's done is just like, look, I'm just going to get the ball to Devontae Adams. I'm going to let him go to work. I'm going to check it down to Josh Jacobs. That's going to be the offense. And that's been good enough, especially with the high-scoring games the Raiders have been in, for him to put up some good fantasy points. Now, it's still a reflection of it's Derek Carr. And I feel like once you trust him and actually put him in your lineup, that's when he screws you, hence the QB 13 ranking. But, Chris, what do you think with Derek Carr? I when you said you know turn the corner and Derek Carr in the same sentence that's what I was exactly what you wound up ending with is where I was already starting off with because for myself Derek Carr is Derek Carr we've seen this show we've seen this how many times you think you see oh Derek Carr's got it he's got to figure it out wrong it doesn't matter what receiver he has and who the quarterback is the coaching staff is it doesn't matter who off the line they have it doesn't matter what the score is Derek Carr just does Derek Carr things so he can look great and then every time you think he's supposed to do what he's supposed to do. You get Derek Carr, and that's where I think QB 13 is perfect for him because that's where he is. Him and Kirk Cousins want the same place every year no matter what. That's what they're going to continue to do again, so why not have him there week in, week out? Yeah, 100%. I talked about this already a little bit, but Dak Prescott does come into QB 15 for me. I would look for other options to go with. Again, I'm not buying into the idea they're going to be in a slugfest, throw them out, you know, throw them out the Colts game. I think they're just going to be very content with playing this, you know, in a muck them up defensive running type of game where he throws the ball for maybe 26 to 28 times goes for maybe 200 yards, maybe one to two touchdowns. The kicker being other than the one game, we haven't seen Dak Prescott use his legs from a fantasy standpoint. There's not much of a ceiling here. I hundred percent agree, but I will add one caveat. They are playing the Colts. So this could be five, six quarters. Does that matter now at the end that you get like six quarters of football and have production during that? Well, I can't project that, but uh, yeah, that always does. That always does help, one hundred percent. Talking about the Dallas Cowboys and, and the running backs, so I warned you guys going into the Thanksgiving game. Now, I didn't think it was going to happen that day, 
But I warned you guys, as Zeke is healthier, they'll be back to a 50-50 split. And eventually, they'll be back to a 55-45 split. Now, I thought with it being a Thursday and it being a short week, it wasn't going to quite be that week. But what happened? Oh, Zeke felt better. Oh, it's back to 50-50 right off the bat. Now I have both these guys. I got Zeke at RB20, and I got Pollard at RB21. But if Zeke's going to continue to trend this way, we might be back to a 55-45 split between the two, and you're back to hoping for a big play out of Tony Pollard. Chris, I asked this question on social media earlier in the week, and I got some really funny responses. I'd love to see hear what your response would be. What does Tony Pollard have to do to make Jerry Jones love him the way he loves Zeke? <laughs> Get paid what Zeke gets paid? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, I'm not a huge Jerry Jones you know, defender, and it makes sense to me, especially after LeBron James' comments, which I tend to agree with LeBron. So I think people need to look at Jerry Jones a little harder than they have been, much during what he did during the whole kneeling thing, where he, how he called the top of the players out. But having said all that, um, I don't think this is a situation that, like, I, I, I don't know. I think Jerry Jones is, is in a situation. I'm sorry, just go ahead. I got sidetracked to my thoughts. <laughs> Chris sidetracked himself while thinking of into himself. Well, cause I, was, cause I was thinking of the LeBron thing got me all fired up again. And I, get, I do get pissed <laughs> off about that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm just thinking like, that it's for a different, that was, it's for a different show. That was for something sure. that these guys, yeah, exactly. So I don't want to go off on that tangent and I'm just like angry at, <laughs> at Jerry. Playing a dude who's disguised as oh, another so, dude. Okay. No, but what I wanted to get to, I was going to try to say defend sure. from to disagree is that I think for his style, Jerry Jones did grow up around football, okay? And he does like football, and he, he's always kind of admired it. And he's admired running backs in particular. And in particular, the guys that he liked to you know, he was around Oklahoma State a lot in Oklahoma. So Thurman Thomas, very Sanders, players like that, he, he thought he saw those guys. They weren't his favorite kind of running backs. And you kind of saw Emmett Smith become a guy who was a staple, you know, staple of the Cowboys that we remember now in our day, in our lifetimes in the 90s. And that Emmett Smith wasn't a game changer. He wasn't a guy who was shiny and pretty. He did all the things you're supposed to do. He pass protected. He ran where they're supposed to go. And he kind of had an extra little, got the little extra for you. Zeke does a lot of similar things. And I think that's what Jerry kind of prefers, the guy who's a well all it back. And he says that a lot in his comments. People kind of blow it over it a lot. But you and I talked about this before on and off there. Zeke's out there because he pass protects. There's a lot of things that matter in football. And if you know that, and then the other part is, I think people are hard on Zeke because the contract and they love Tony Pollard. But part of the reason he had 50 carries is because he looked good and he earned those 50 fucking percent of the carries we did last week. He, he looked really good and people want to crap on Zeke all the time. And it's like the dude goes out there and rumbles and he's 230 pounds rumbling over people. Why wouldn't you keep giving him the ball? There was Pierce, there was Pacheco. People were like, oh, yeah, it's great. But it's Zeke and it's like, oh, he should get the ball. So for myself, <laughs> I'm with you. I think it's going to be 50 fifth play. But you can eat off both these guys. That's the NFL today, guys. Right. Get it in your heads. 100% agreed. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, let's get into our Alvin kamara -ness. So he's my RB19. I was actually mad at myself last week. So when I first did my rankings last week, I actually had him as an RB26. And I was like, no, 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 no. He's Alvin Kamara. I got to make him a top 20 running back. He's too talented not to. I should have stuck with where I had him and made him an RB3. Everyone keeps, in, in, in the industry, people sometimes get, we get locked up in numbers or fantasy football data analysis. It's, it's what we do to some degree. But if I hear one more person tell me Alvin Kamara has a huge target share, when you have a huge target share of nothing, it doesn't really matter. And that's kind of the problem that's going on with Alvin Kamara. And now on top of that, he's not even getting double-digit carries. Kamara getting 15 touches has become an issue. 
that should never be an issue. And now you go against Tampa Bay Bucks, who are pretty good against running back, still not as elite as they once were, but still not a great matchup either. He's out of Kamara. He comes in an RB19. But I, I want to kind of find another option if I can. And that's how bad it's been. And I don't know when it turns a corner. Maybe it turns a corner next two weeks when they come off the bye week. Because if you, if you actually made it to the playoffs without Kamara, if you, if you were lucky enough to do so, he does have two really good matchups. Maybe that turns things around. But what do you do with Kamara right now? I think if you look for trying to get other options, if you can. This, looks, this to me is similar like Evan's thing. And you're talking about you know, people holding on to ideas of things in the fantasy world. This is two guys who've been severely unproductive. And I am a victim of this. I had both these guys in my fantasy lineups. And I play them week in, week out. Because you feel like you have to. And right. week in, week out, I walk in with three or four points out of these guys because their coaching staff don't get in the ball or their quarterback can don't get in the ball. So whether whether it's the coaching staff or it's the quarterback, it doesn't matter. These guys aren't getting the ball. So that kind of matters fantasy-wise. And while I love Mike Evans and I still love Alan Kamara, hopefully they're on different teams next year because right now the teams they're on don't use them and don't love them like I do. Yeah, decent chance that they will be too. Uh, let's talk about the Bucks running backs. Look out for them. Rashad White, I do have his top 24 play. I got him at RB22, but I'm not uber confident because with Leonard Fournette back, he's going to play. This isn't going to be like Rashad White just leads the way. This is going to be kind of like the Zeke Pollard thing, I think, where you have like a 50-50 to 55-45 split maybe in favor of Rashad White. Let's take it back to before Leonard Fournette got hurt. Rashad White, yes, he started that game, but it was a series-by-series basis. I think that happens again this week. I think you can play both these guys, actually. I got Fournette as a top-end RB3. Rashad White is a low-end RB2. What do you think? I think it's a pretty good call. This is kind of your poor man's version of Aaron Jones and you know A.J. Dillon last year. Uh, Fournette kind of played the A.J. Dillon role now. A.J. Dillon you know, had 30, 35 catches, or 35, 30, I think it was 39 catches, I think, last year. He was involved in the pass stack. It wasn't anything severe, but he was involved. Aaron Jones was more the pass catcher, but they both kind of got you know, carries. So you're going to see kind of something similar. I think you're going to see guys both involved in different aspects of the game. They both can catch the ball a little bit. They go through a couple carries, and you're going to get you know 12 to 14 touches, hopefully, out of the two of them. Moving on to the wide receivers. Uh, we already talked about Mike Evans. Look out for Michael Pittman. It was encouraging to see him get back to his normal target share last week, for sure. And find the end zone, of course, always helps. Although with Pittman, that's not something we're counting on, especially with this offense. I do have him as a wide receiver 25. I think you can continue to play him as a wide receiver three. I'm not confident enough to put him in a top 24 position just yet, but I think you can go back to playing him in the flex and at least know that the floor should be there volume-wise. Yeah, I expect this is going to be a really simple offense moving forward. This is going to be similar to what we're seeing in Carolina where it's Foreman and Moore and that's it. You're going to see, I think, Pittman and Taylor, and that's going to be the main focus and whatever else gets great. Yep, 100%. And Foster Moreau, also look out for him because coming to tight end eight, he's got a good chance to score. Again, the Chargers won the bottom five teams against the tight end, so there's an opportunity there. Uh, and he goes to Foster Moreau, so look out for Foster Moreau. It's, it's just look out. Yeah, it's it's right, exactly. Let's go to be cautious of. Be cautious of. So while the Bucks offense has played a little bit better, Brady's still not getting it done from a fantasy standpoint. Comes in at QB 19 for me. He's not even in the streaming conversation for me this week, even against the Saints. Yeah, this is a guy that, you know, I thought would kind of turn the corner about two weeks ago. And then last week's debacle versus the Cleveland Browns just kind of shot that down in my mind. I felt like he went right back to one of the things I was concerned about. He's not looking outside the hashes. This looks like Tom Brady from the end of the Patriots days. And I don't know if it's going to change this week. 
it has a good chance to. It's got a matchup you can make make it happen in. But Tom Brady, I don't disagree. He'd be definitely in the top twenty. And I, I, I ask you this, Dan. You'll, you have him ranked lower than him, I think right now. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson or Tom Brady, who do you play this week? I have Watson two spots ahead, so I, I'm actually leaning towards Watson. Uh, in, in that in that standpoint. <laughs> Uh, also, be cautious of Paris Campbell. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it. It's going to be a very simple offense moving forward. Yeah, there might Campbell might get those targets back from Jelani Woods in some games. But I think outside of Pittman, outside of Taylor, I don't think you can know what to expect. And I no longer have him inside my top 36 as a result. Yeah, I'm kind of a little bit in between. I think what you're going to see is kind of a balanced out, you know, of the two guys that you've seen kind of before, Mike, um, before um, Matt Ryan got benched or hurt benched whatever you want to call it um right. he was using woods a lot more and that's because Woods started coming in you know on fantasy radars in the first place mostly in the red zone though so i think you're going to see woods getting some more you know sprinkled in more opportunities you're going to see the tight end actually be thrown to a more often when matt ryan's the quarterback it's kind of what he does but i think as you kind of alluded to the, the you know the production of paris Campbell was getting only the tank targets that's not going to be split between two guys i think and that's where it's going to kind of you know, hurt you a little bit more. Totally agree. Hey, let's go into our mailbag segment. The mail's here. So if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media at Show, And you DM us the DM in there, you know, whenever you want to. We'll help you out with any question that you possibly have. I'll pick out a few of my favorites and we'll, we'll put them on the show if we can get to them. Yesterday, I couldn't even get to them because we had so many comments, but today we can. So let's go into D10 Money. He's asking me, Chris Olave or Debo Samuel rest of season. And for me, it's Chris Olave. What about you? It's been Chris Holloway the whole season, so I'm going to continue to ride Chris Holloway. Yeah, it's it's a big comment from where we were at the beginning of the year with with expectations for Debo Samuel. But, yeah, it is definitely Chris Olave. You can actually trust that he'll get thrown the ball. You can't trust Debo Will right now. Uh, C. Mueller, he asked me Pacheco or Darius Slayton this week in the flex. I'm going Pacheco there. Yeah, I tend to agree. I'm not trusting anybody necessarily in this Giants offense. Not a great matchup either. I know that you know, it looks good on paper and somewhat, but the Giants don't throw for a whole lot of yards. This game has really chance to be a really ugly game. So I would probably you know, go for the highest score opportunity in Pacheco than I would have a dairy sleep out there. All right. And our last and final question. I, I love this name. Odell, you didn't. He asked me uh, Christian Kirk or Garrett Wilson this week. So two top-notch options. I would be trying to find a way to get both these guys in your lineups. But if you have to choose between the two, I am on the Christian Kirk side of things. I have him at wide receiver 11, while I have Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 15. So it is close. But going against the Detroit Lions, I expect this to go back towards Kirk after a Zay Jones week last week. And he's just been so good all year long. We're with the Jets. I know Mike White was very promising. And I do think Mike White can be have a good game again against Minnesota. Don't get me twisted. But... He's also Mike White. He's not, I don't really think he's a true talented starting quarterback week in, week out, and there could be a bottom to that. So I don't think there will be, but I would slightly go to Christian Kirk for that reason. No, that's a lot of good logic, and I can't argue strongly against it. My only thing I'll say for myself is that I'll go probably go Garrett Wilson um, first over Christian Kirk, barring Zay Jones' situation. Zay Jones, you know, has questionable whether he's going to play or not. It's still kind of up in the air. So if he's out, I love Christian Kirk's you know, opportunity because I think he is the primary pass catcher on a team in great matchup, as you kind of alluded to. Um, but if he's not out, Garrett Wilson has been the alpha receiver of all his receivers this entire season for the Jets. And it seems that whenever 
Zach Wilson is not the quarterback. And because, you know, Zach Wilson as well, I'm not trying to you know, absolve, absolve him from any responsibility he takes as well. But the coaching staff actually plays aggressively and loosely. Joe Flacco's letter flinging around, like we saw him flinging around. So whenever that happens, Garrett Wilson is usually the one who's been productive in those games. So I'm going to kind of ride the guy who gets used to the red zone and has big potential. Yeah, no, that I, I could see that too. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for the show, guys. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow with our Cashing Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. We got the Wheel of Names tomorrow, Chris, because we're finally giving away the Bill Bates jersey. And the December giveaway and tournament has just kicked off this week. It will be the John Randall autographed NFL top 100. So make sure you guys are tuning in to find out how to join. And then, of course, Chad Savari will be back on the second half of the show to talk about our lock bets of the week and try to cash you guys some tickets. Download us on your favorite podcast app. And give us that five-star review so you get caught up on all the episodes that you missed and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you're always notified whenever we have new content available to you. I'm Dan Mater. He's Chris Dowhauer. We'll see you guys tomorrow night.